Chapter two, the big question. How did European ideas of land ownership conflict with the beliefs and cultures of Native American tribes living in the Great Plains, Great Basin, and Northwest Plateau? Across mountains and prairies. Before America was divided into colonies and eventually states, there were no borders, fences, or property lines. The only boundaries were those set by nature, wide rivers, deep canyons, parched deserts, high mountains, and dense forests. Early European explorers and settlers stayed mostly in the eastern portion of what would one day become the United States of America. The English established their colonies along the east coast, and the French settled in parts of Canada and the Louisiana Territory. When the United States gained independence in 1776, and for many years afterward, few Europeans really knew what lay beyond the Ohio River Valley. Few European explorers had ever crossed the Mississippi River. Although people knew about California because the Spanish had settlements there, what lay west of the Mississippi River was a mystery to those living on the East Coast. As many people of the United States would learn, thanks to explorers such as Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, the grassy prairies of the Great Plains extended more than a thousand miles west of the Mississippi River. Then the Rocky Mountains appear, their jagged snowy peaks rising over the 14,000 feet straight up into the clouds, Cross those mountains and travel due west and you will descend into the sands of the Great Basin. Or farther north between the Rockies and the gorgeous Cascade Mountain Range, discover the canyons and pine shrub forests of the Northwest Plateau. Combined, these three regions, the Great Plains, Great Basin, and the Northwest Plateau, cover nearly one million square miles or about one-third of the continental United States. In the early 1800s, these three regions were home to hundreds of different Native American tribes. By that time, the tribes in the East, including the Cherokee and many others, had already suffered disease, war, and forcible forced relocation. There were still Native Americans in the East, but for the most part, they were a absorbed into the society and laws of the United States. Out west, however, on the Great Plains and beyond, most people still lived according to their ancient customs. None of those tribes claimed to own any of the land they lived on, not in the sense that it was theirs to sell or buy. They did not have property deeds or titles. Each tribe did have an area they called home, and the people worked together and shared the fruits of the land. This was the land of their ancestors. It was the land where all people were born and died. It was their belief that the people could not own the land because they were part of the land, just like the plants and animals. Eventually, this viewpoint that people were caretakers rather than owners of the land added to tension and mistrust between Native Americans and settlers from the United States and other nations. The lack of defined borders and property lines made it easy for outsiders to claim land and force Native Americans to move. The settlers carried deeds or papers claiming that the land was theirs. The Native Americans had no such papers. Traditional Ways 
On the great plains and beyond, each tribe knew exactly how far they could go before they met a neighboring tribe, and they knew whether that tribe was friendly or foe. Whether they were friends or enemies, they held the same respect for all the living things on the land and in the sky and water, including the animals they killed for food. They saw that all living things were part of the same earth, sharing the same soil and air. They believed everything came from the same Creator, even if each tribe called the Creator by a different name. Children learned their history through fireside stories and singing the songs of their ancestors. They learned to use the earth's gift through daily chores, gathering food, tending to crops, and hunting. They also learned about their religion by participating in rituals and ceremonies. There were ceremonies to mark the change of the seasons, births, death, marriages, and coming-of-age events, such as a child's first kill while hunting. Ceremonies brought people together. There was singing, dancing, drumming, special costumes, and food, and a wide variety of rituals. But these events were not simply for entertainment. These were sacred ceremonies. Sharing to Survive An author named Morning Dove from the Okanagan tribe in Plateau region wrote of one basic ritual that helped young girls learn important lessons about their roles within the tribe. Children were encouraged to discover strict discipline and high regard for their sharing. When a girl picked her first berries and dug her first root, they were given away to an elder so she would share her future success. When a child carried water from home, an elder would give compliments pretending to taste meat in the water carried by a boy or berries in that of a girl. The child was encouraged not to be lazy and to grow straight like a sapling. Simple rituals such as these taught children what it truly meant to be part of the tribe. They learned that sharing was not simply a matter of kindness, it was a matter of survival. Vision Quest In many tribes throughout the Great Plains and other regions, older boys and sometimes girls were expected to participate in a vision quest. This coming-of-age ceremony marked a young person's transition to adulthood. During a vision quest, a young person, or quester, sought to understand his purpose in life. The most important part of a vision quest occurred when the quester traveled alone into the wilderness. During this time, he had no food, water, or sleep. He was supposed to focus his mind, heart, and body on nature and what it means to be human. At some point, usually after a few days, the quester would receive a vision. It was like a dream, but the quester was not asleep. This vision carried powerful meaning. Some people claimed to have a conversation with the spirits or their ancestors. Others claimed to be able to see into the future. After his time in the wilderness, the quester returned and shared his vision with the tribe's holy man or woman, who helped him understand exactly what it meant. This vision would help to guide his actions and decisions for the rest of his life. The Importance of Buffalo For the Lakota and other tribes of the Great Plains, there was no greater symbol of their connection between people and nature than the buffalo. Some tribes on the plains grew crops, especially corn, 
and they gathered various wild plants, but buffalo were always the main source of food. These are the largest animals in North America, heavier than even the biggest moose or grizzly bear. At one time, massive buffalo herds ruled the Great Plains. There were millions of them, and the earth trembled beneath their thundering hoofs. Buffalo were valued for far more than their meat. In fact, plain tribes used every part of the animal, blood, bones, hide, intestines, and organs. Everything had a purpose. After a kill, the best meat was eaten right away, and the rest of it was dried and stored for later use. Hides were used for such things as clothes, teepee covers, bedding, and moccasins. Their hair was used to make rope, pillows, or ornaments. The bones were used to make hand tools or ceremonial costumes, and some were used to make toys for children. Buffalo horns became cups, ladles, or ornaments for headdresses. The stomach and intestines were made into pouches and buckets. Blood was used as paint or as the base for a tasty bowl of soup. Sinew, the tough intestine connecting muscle to bone, was used for thread, bowstrings, and glue. Another important buffalo product was something people could find on the ground anywhere the buffalo had passed. The dung, or droppings, also known as buffalo chips. Dried buffalo chips were the main source of fuel for campfires. They did not smell bad because they were little more than digested clumps of grass, which was the only thing that buffalo ever ate. There were some trees on the plains and people could find firewood if they needed it, but plain tribes did not have access to large forests like tribes in the Great Basin or Northwest Plateau. Plain tribes used some wood to make their frames for their teepees and sleds or litters to haul their belongings from one camp to another. Otherwise, almost everything they needed in order to survive came from the buffalo. Home Sweet Home Most tribes of the plains and neighboring regions were semi-nomadic. This means that they did not live in one place all year long. For example, plain tribes usually followed the buffalo, but they also went to special camps during the frigid winters. Teepees were built using only buffalo hides and wooden poles, but they could stand up to thunderstorms and blizzards. Tribes of the Great Basin built domed houses called wigwams or wickiups, which were cozy and safe in all kinds of weather. A wigwam had a frame made of flexible sticks over which were placed sheets of bark or mat woven from grass and leaves. Like teepees, wigwams were portable which was important because Great Basin tribes also moved from place to place in search of food. They did not have buffalo. Instead, they gathered nuts and berries, and they hunted for smaller game like rabbits and deer. They had access to good clay, so they made pottery. They used some tools. Stones could be reshaped and sharpened for use as heads for arrows, spears, and axes, as well as made into tools for digging, scraping, grinding, and other daily tasks. People of the plateau plateau, lived in wigwam-type lodges, too. There the soil was dry, and food was something hard to find. There was few edible plants, and it was hard to grow crops. 
Hunters were lucky if they were able to find a jackrabbit, deer, or occasional bear. However, the Plateau tribe did not need to search for food on land. All the nearby rivers and streams were loaded with big, tasty salmon and other fish. The Plateau tribes were as good at fishing as the Plain tribes were at hunting buffalo. The Mandan Not all tribes of the Plain were, and surrounding regions were nomadic. Some, like Mandan, learned to grow corn, beans, and other crops. They hunted for buffalo too, but they grew enough food so that they did not have need to move and follow the herd. They could afford to build permanent villages and wait for the buffalo to come to them. During their westward adventure, explorers Lewis and Clark encountered the Mandan and wrote about their ways of life. They were impressed with the size and wealth of the villages. There were many there may have been over 15,000 Mandan living in nine large villages. In addition to farming and hunting, they were active traders. They traded various animal furs, buffalo products, and crops with surrounding tribes. Later, after more contact with traders and settlers from the United States, the Mandan traded guns and horses. Devastating Changes Back in the early 1800s, when Lewis and Clark passed through on their famous expedition to find out what was on the other side of the Mississippi, no one could have guessed just how much and how quickly life would change for all the tribes of the Plains, Basin, and Plateau. The introduction of horses had already changed the way Native Americans traveled, hunted, and fought. Guns also made a big difference in their lives. But horses and guns were not the only thing that Europeans brought. They brought diseases, too. Diseases took a very heavy toll on the Mandans because they lived closely together in such large villages and rarely moved around. In one Mandan village, in 1837, a smallpox infected and killed all but 125 out of 1,600 people. The plains Buffalo were also greatly affected by the arrival of the Europeans. Buffalo hides made into leather were valuable to people in the cities on the East Coast. With their guns, hunters would kill as many buffaloes as they wanted. How many did they kill? Consider this. In 1804, there were as many as 60 million buffalo roaming the plains. In 1890, there were fewer than 1,000. By 1890, the buffalo and many of their native people were no longer living in the Great Plains. Many of the tribes were forced to leave their homelands, and many were settlers and make their way for settlers, railroads, and cities of the United States. Native American culture, language, and customs survived, but their way of life was seriously damaged. <laughs>